All right, man. So, yeah, I want to talk about some old friends and get your opinion on a couple things. And, of course, talk about the tour and new music and all that fun stuff. I guess let's let's start off talking about the tour. Kind of uh, kicking off the year, right? Two SoCal shows, two chances to see Dinko Jones live. Friday, February 8th at the Whiskey A Go-Go. My friend in Rogue Agents opening up for you guys there. And then the very next night at uh, Marty's in Newport on Saturday, February 9th. What, what can you tell fans about this tour? Well, I think it's a long time coming. We haven't done a proper U.S. tour in, God, at least five years. And this time, um, we're coming out with Nashville Pussy and Prima Donna, two bands that we really, really dig. And I think uh, all three bands will get along, and it's going to be a, a night of rock, hard rock. As expected from Danko Jones. You know, I was just sitting here thinking while I was waiting for you to call in about, uh, you know, you've been at this a long time now, a couple decades, and thinking about, <laughs> you know, the old saying is always like, you know, the uh, performing's the free part. You got to pay me for the other 23 hours of the day. And thinking about time killing, you're a guy that first started on tour. You were happy to find a payphone somewhere to pull over off the side of the road, and now you've got cell phones and everything else and all the gadgets. Yeah. Curious about, yeah. like, talk, talk to me about time killing versus then. Uh, versus now when you're on the road i got to admit it's way easier now to to kill time so in that respect touring has become easier it's easier to stay in touch with home and it's easier to yeah kill like four hours just (laughs) sitting in a chair you could just watch your ipad or play some game or something so yeah it's it's gotten a lot easier in terms of you know being in touch and communication and everything yeah i remember those tours when You'd have to like cash in like five bucks worth of quarters and just sho- <laughs> find a payphone and, and shove it in the, the slot. And, and go through a book of CDs to have something to listen to. And Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> and, and then the transition happened from coins to phone cards somewhere in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that made it easier. And then uh, now with cell phones and smartphones, it's super easy. And I imagine just being being Danko Jones takes up a, a, a lot of time throughout the day. I know you got like multiple Instagram accounts and the podcast and everything else going on. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, that all came out out of boredom, you know, like just sitting around and not doing nothing and, just, you know, talking. And then you, you crack a joke about some sort of funny idea and then you go, let's do it. So you, you got next thing you know, you got four Instagram accounts and <laughs> God knows what else. Yeah. You want to plug any of those uh, Instagram accounts that you want us to follow you on? <laughs> sure. I mean, that's the thing that I, I do all this stuff, but I'm not a real active plugger, although I'm in, I, I actively, you know, go on there and post and stuff. But I have the at Danko underscore Jones, which is what I post about the band and all stuff, like if we're, you know, playing or if, whatever. Um, that's the official kind of account for me. And then there's at next level record collecting, which are just all my crazy odd records I've collected over the years. And that came out of just talking about this collection I have while we were recording our last record, Wildcat in the studio going, I have all these records. And so I decided to just make an account two and a half years old. So, uh, and I still have a lot more records to post (laughs) going strong. And then I have another one called Memes by Danko, memes underscore by underscore Danko, which are just memes. I started to do my own memes, but it's since shifted, and people are sending me memes about the account, memes by Danko. 
So that's what I'm posting. It's kind of this meta, Whoa. meta, meta thing. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you, speaking but, of, of the uh, record collection, sorry. what's the uh, what's the white whale for you? What, what's the one that you, you haven't been able to find yet? Well, the white whale for me was actually about a year ago. I posted this uh, album by Tina Yothers, who played Jennifer <laughs> on Family Ties. Right. And she put out an EP. Yeah, she put out an EP. Um, around the time she was still on the show and um it's always been a, a the white whale for me and and someone tracked it down and sent it to me wow. <laughs> and i kind of felt yeah i was like wow you know i'm not posting this to to for people to send me stuff so i stopped doing that but um i had a few other ones the, the um uh benson robert guillaume put out a disco album um that i'm still trying to track down um yeah there's a couple of other ones did you ever get into like uh, Kim, like the uh don johnson yeah. he put out an album i know back in the day he put out a a, a few i've got one I, I posted one that i have scroll through it you, you can find it there it's, it's up there speaking of which and, and speaking of actors making music and and something that I, I keep putting out there in the universe and and you would actually be the perfect person to do this i'm just gonna lay this out there just let it sit and marinate in the back of your head but somebody and it could be you needs to do badly we need a remake of eddie murphy's party all the time please somebody do that wow that's a great idea i, I mean honestly that's really good uh, as like a cover. Yeah, it's a kind of a forgotten song. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. That's what I'm talking okay, about. It's, it's, it's now in my head. You planted it in, in, in my head. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little, little new music. And we, we've gotten a, a, a taste, a, a sampler, an appetizer with uh, We're Crazy so far. And, and maybe I could put this thought in your head to give me the scoop on when we're actually going to get this new album and name and everything for it. What can you tell me? Yeah, it's coming out uh, April of this year. And, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of teasers for it, which is, I guess that's how people roll out albums these days. I, I don't really know, but usually it was like one single and then bam, there's the record. It's out. But, um, we're on like, you know, we've, we've kind of teased everyone with three singles already, three songs. We're crazy. Um, burning hell. Yeah. And, uh, there's going to be another one. Uh, this week called Dance, Dance, Dance that's going to be uploaded on the internet, socials, and all that stuff. And it was produced by Garth Richardson, Garth, out in Vancouver. Nice. Uh, he did the first Rage Against the Machine album, and he did Rise Against, and he did the Melvins and the Jesus Lizard, and pretty much any... Oh, he's got one degree away from pretty much every band but yeah so it was great working with garth we had a blast and i think we came out with a ripper of an album that we're very proud of like i'm super proud I, i'm just you know kind of anxious for everyone to hear it. just excited was there a uh, was there a mission statement for the album same as every album just make it rocking <laughs> it's the only thing i adhere to you know like when you when you're playing riffs and you're jamming you know, you can come up with a bunch of riffs, and you could cobble them into rock songs, but they really have to hit with you, and and that's all. That's the compass we use. Like if it's really rocking, like then if everybody in the room goes, yeah, there's no argument here. We all agree on that. Then we move forward. 
So that's and, how it goes. And the real question is, is there time to still get the Eddie Murphy cover on this new record? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, that's going to have to be uh, forwarded to the next album. Yeah, everything's <laughs> locked and, and done. Too bad. Next time, next time. <laughs> yeah, next time. Or maybe a Tina Yothers. I mean, come Ooh, on. hey, could be. Or that Don Johnson, like I mentioned before, too. I mean, I'm trying to... Oh, yeah. You know what another white whale is? Philip Michael Thomas's album, I do not Ooh. have. And he was, the, uh, he was Don's partner on Miami Vice. So yeah, he, he put out a Yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> there's a few of those. Like, there's, uh, like, uh, Tootie from Facts of Life. She put out a record. Uh, I'm looking for that. I have oh Blair's God. album. Yeah, I've got Lisa Welchel. I, uh-huh. Actually, she was the first. Um, she was the first post on Next Level Record Collecting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I got to yeah. give that a look over. Hey, speaking of, of recording, someone I wanted to talk about some some old friends and and a guy that you recorded with and toured with and had in your music videos and sadly his birthday just passed and been a couple years now without him. But I wanted to get some good stories about, from you about the late Lemmy. Oh yeah, Lemmy uh, was. Um, I, I have to say, he was really really nice to us. He treated us great the whole band treated us great the the crew when we toured with them we toured with them in um 08 they took us to the uk and germany and france and we would play one-off shows as well and i got to sing killed by death with motorhead over a dozen times i want to say between a dozen and 20 times wow um yeah it was really cool and the coolest thing is the last time i sang killed by death with motorhead was in Toronto, my hometown. So I thought that was like, oh man, that was awesome. And uh, yeah, he was in our video. When we asked him, he came and he's just a really, really nice guy to us. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stories simply because Lemmy was a larger than life character. So, <laughs> you know, you could just say hi to him and he could like not say hi, just give you a wink and there's your Lemmy story. That's how big of a character he was. Um, but yeah, there's a few. I mean, I remember the first time we actually met him was at the um, Barfly in London, England. And our publicist at the time uh, was the publicist for Motorhead, and he brought Lemmy to our show. And wow. uh, I, he said, you know, I might bring, uh, I'm going to try and get Lemmy to the show tonight. And, you know, you hear that and you're like, yeah, right. And there he was at the end of the night, and we hung out with him at the bar, and it was pretty wild. And then he said, you want to go? And he took us to a couple of places in London that night. We went to the Jackass post party or something, and then nobody was having fun, so we split, and he took us to a strip joint. (laughs) And that was fun. And that's where we left him for the evening because we had an early flight. and it It was a blast, you know. That was the way I met Lemmy. And then over the years, he just, you know, we were always just there. And then the last time I saw him was on the motorboat, motor cruise, the motor, the first yeah, one they, they had, they did two. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, he, he was really cool to us. And I really appreciate him genuinely for that because, you know, there's a lot of similarities uh, with Motorhead and us. Like, they influenced us in the way we dress on stage, you know, the way we sound. Also, more importantly, just the outlook and attitude, I think, um, when approaching hard rock music. Um, yeah. 
three-piece band. You know, you guys are both trios and play rock and roll real loud and distorted. It it makes perfect sense. Like, that's why I wanted to ask you, because I I do see the similarities. I mean, not not physically, but musically, there's tons of similarities, I think, between you and and Motorhead's, you know, sound-wise and just attitude-wise. And cool to hear that. One other guy I wanted to ask you about uh, who wrote the foreword to your book, and it was always... My favorite as a kid growing up, I played the drums a little bit, so I had some love for Steven, but I always thought Duff McKagan was the coolest dude on the planet. Talk to me about uh, Duff McKagan and, and how you met him and got him to write the forward on your book. Duff is probably the most down-to-earth, huge rock star dude I've met. Just just a dude, you know, and... God, I met, we met a, a very briefly in Brazil, of all places, when we played, I think, the same festival. But it was just like a high-bye type thing. And then we met again in Spain very briefly. It wasn't until uh, 2013 when he was out with his uh, two different bands, Loaded, and then again in Walking Papers. We toured with both those bands that year. Ah. And when we went to Australia... Uh, we played we play the Soundwave Festival, and the way Soundwave did it is they paired up bands, like like bands together, and they would kind of travel to the gigs together uh, throughout the festival, because the festival encompassed the whole country. Right. And so we were paired up with Loaded, so we would get on buses, and we'd all kind of get shuttled to the, to the, to the gig together, and we, we ended up hanging out quite a bit for those two weeks. And then again, uh, later that year, like seven months later, on the uh, Uproar Tour with The Walking Papers. So we spent five weeks with Duff in that setting. So by the end of the year, (laughs) we had spent a lot of time with Duff, so we got to know him. The last day of the Uproar Tour, first week of September, we were saying our goodbyes and everything. And we had already spoken. He'd done my podcast. We talked about writing. He wrote for the Seattle Weekly, and I was writing for various magazines at the time. The last day of the tour, I asked him, hey, listen, if I ever get around to doing a book, would you write the foreword to it? And he said, sure. So that's 2013. So fast forward 2016 or 17, whenever GNR reunited. Right together whatever year that was it was either 2016 or yeah, i think it was 16 16 i think it feels like it's been a few years 16? i think so so what's yeah we're talking like three three and a half four years after i that you know question i posed to him so i emailed him and i said hey do you remember what you know i i asked you if you could write well i'm putting together a book and uh you know it's it's coming out could you uh, write the forward, like you said? And he goes, I, you know, I don't know. My wor- and This had not been public. We, I knew of it. It was just rumblings underground and right. behind the scenes that GNR were getting back together. We kind of heard about that. So, you know, so, but he didn't even say it in the email. He said, you know, my life's about to get super busy in a week, <laughs> starting, you know, today. He said all this stuff. And so I knew he wasn't trying to blow me up because right. I knew he didn't know I knew. And so I go, no problem, no problem. Two, three days later in my inbox, he wrote the forward. He goes, ah, here you go. Wow. What a guy. Yeah, man. Like, what a dude. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, and I knew his world was 
getting it was getting super busy like it was about to explode yeah so man that just i was like oh man to not not just get the forward from him but get the forward knowing his world was probably like spiraling you know kind of out of control in a good way right and he still made time to to write the forward i was like man thank you what a so, dude. Yeah, he's the, he's the dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just to put a button on it, pick a, uh, pick a GNR song to uh, play on the radio. What's your favorite GNR song? Oh, geez. Uh, you know what? I, you know what? I, uh, you're crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose You're Crazy because that's the song I would sing with Loaded on the Soundwave tour. Perfect. Perfect. Danko, appreciate all the time. Let me get you on uh, two more things and, and kind of get in your opinion and, and a fun little game I like to play with everyone I, I talk to and get your opinion on, on a set of bands. You know, talking about Duff and the 80s, and you remember a few years ago the the big four, right, of thrash, metal, and Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, right? That was the big four of thrash. So I want to yeah. take it one step further in into the 90s and add one to it, and, and what I like to call the Flannel Five. Oh, okay. So not that this is could be a band that could tour or anything like that. I just want to know your favorite off of this list. I, you're number one out of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Soundgarden. Soundgarden, right away, knew it. Didn't have to think hard, long and hard about it. No. Why? No way. Why? Well, I got into Soundgarden um, um, when they put out that album, Louder Than Love, and I actually saw that tour. They weren't the best live, and by then... Um, Hero had left, and Jason Everman was was playing bass for that tour. So I saw that tour. I love that album. And then they followed it up with um, was it Super Unknown? Yep. Is that the one? That's the one with all the hits on it. The Jesus Christ pose and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, and then I went back and I got Ultra Mega Okay, and th- those are the one, two, three punches I needed to just go. Yeah, this band is solid. <laughs> uh, Louder Than Love is probably my favorite album of Soundgarden. Like that's the album that got me into them. I also like the fact that at the time everything was was either really glammy or really thrashy, and then they for some reason were able to meld in Sabbath with with a contemporary make make it contemporary sounding to me and at the time it was man when they when I heard when I first heard Loud Love I was just blown away I, I really was um, and also they were multiracial um, at least during Ultra Mega OK and Louder Than Love, and you didn't really see that mm-hmm. in many bands, and that's just something that, for me, uh, I, I really dug that. So, yeah, that, they're definitely my favorite out of the five you mentioned, but I do like a, a lot of those those five bands, if if not all of them. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the point of it. It's supposed to be to pick, you know, kind of to encapsulate the 90s rock and then... Of course, the conceit is all the bands are great. We love them all, but just to narrow it down to that one and kind of a roundabout way to get, you know, people's influence and, and see who they're fans of. Oh, yeah, it's got to be, man, for me, it's ultra mega okay, louder than love, Soundgarden. 
All right, let me get you on one more if I can, just for last one. This will be the last one for you. And kind of following the same the same game, I've added one more to it and done the same thing. Kick it up a decade. I, got, I, I can do this all day. I can do this all okay, day. Okay, okay. This will be this will be uh, the last one though. Same idea. We'll kick it up a decade. Go from '90s rock and go to more late '90s and sag the pants and turn it backwards and and get into what I call the new metal six pack. Oh. Okay. This. Okay. Okay. All right. It might so, not be my thing, but I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll. I'll go with you. But at least you'll have an. I still think you'll have an opinion out of all these bands. So for this, sure, this sure. grouping will be. Uh, we'll go. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, Corn, Lincoln Park, Slipknot, Disturbed, System of a Down. I I'd have to go with Rage Against the Machine. I, I do love Slipknot, though, but uh, Rage Against the Machine, um, well, first of all, we just finished an album with Garth Richardson, so, <laughs> you know, I'm a little biased about that. Um, also, you know, Zach is 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 a hardcore kid, and um, he was in a band called Inside Out, who I think were better than Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> but that's really? my opinion. Wow. Yeah, so I love Zach, and... and uh, and so I love Inside Out, so uh, uh, no spiritual surrender. So I'd, I'd have to choose Rage Against the Machine. And uh, do you have a favorite Rage tune? Uh, or any shirt? Uh, I guess yeah, Killing in the Name of, I guess. I, I can't think of anything except that in them. Although, yeah, I'll go with that because that's off the first album, and Garth did that one, so... I'll just, you know, keep killer it consistent. Hey, I mean that—that's a hard one to uh, to not sit still through. You know, you got to tap your foot to that one. Any any stories yeah, that uh, that that uh, Gigi told that you can share about about maybe that band and that album that he did with them? Yeah, he told a few stories. I don't know if I can tell them, but okay. okay. Um, I do have one story All right. about Rage on my own story. Okay. When they got back together, they got back together, I'd say, what was it, 10 years ago maybe? Like they did a, like a summer of festivals, and we shared a backstage with them in Sweden at the Haltsford Festival. <laughs> and the only guy I really wanted to meet was Zach, so uh, I got to meet him, and he was really, really cool, really nice guy, down-to-earth dude. So that was nice. That's my rage story. That's about <laughs> it. I mean, they're <laughs> they're not exactly um, easily spotted these days. So no. that's all I got. No, and hey, well, you know what? Sorry. Go ahead. I just realized I basically chose Audio Slave. If you combine your two questions, yeah, you know, I I didn't put that together. <laughs> you really did. You were consistent throughout. Yeah, yeah, Audio Slave. <laughs> And would they be your favorite band out of the three, or or would it still be Soundgarden number one? Uh, Soundgarden for for sure. I, I appreciated Audio Slave. I thought they they were pretty good. Like I di- I didn't mind them at all. They had good moments, you know. So yeah, and we actually um, <laughs> we actually played a festival with Audio Slave long time ago in two thousand and four. Yeah. Did you did you? Uh, get to interact with Chris at all at, at any point? He was walking around and I was just too scared to approach him. <laughs> That's how it goes, man. You know, 
It's no, weird. it's great to hear that because I go through that all the time, too. I I had that story with Lemmy. I was too scared to approach him at, at the uh, what was it? it was one of those metal award shows and rode up in an elevator with him and was so scared. Oh, I yeah. did not say hi to him. So that's, you know, I didn't say hi to him. I same here. He said hi to us. So that kind of broke the ice, you know, but I would, I couldn't have either. I was, I would be too, too nervous myself. Yeah. Uh, so it's good. To, good that it happens to uh, even, even artists like yourself, not just, you know, dumb radio guys like my, myself to get scared to talk to people. That's great, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah. It was, yeah. I kind of involved. Now, of course, now I wish I I did go up to him and say hi, but it's okay. It's all right. Yeah. Well, Danko, I appreciate all the time, man. I'm 